Education is changing. We're focusing more on looking at how children develop and teaching to that, and a big part of that is movement. I, in two seconds, can assess who is keeping the steady beat, because I can see, are they walking with the music? Welcome to Crafting Learning, a curriculum design podcast, with your hosts, Lacey Ramsey, Rashawn Richards, and me, Andy Tyson. So we're going to have a conversation with our colleagues, uh, Lindy and Jen, about their work in the early childhood and lower school music program. Andy, you obviously work very close with them. What's your elevator pitch version of their work? What I love is that this is really get the right people doing the things they are passionate about and just stand back and it'll all work. They are amazing. They love what they're doing. Combining what was previously a rhythms program separate than the music program, all into one music and movement program from pre-K now through four. And it's been amazing to watch them work. You're going to hear Jen and Lindy say this so much more articulately than I can, but the idea that music is not an oral art alone. There's a connection to that movement. There's a kinesthetic awareness. There's a kinesthetic way of learning music. Rhythms can be demonstrated and absorbed kinesthetically to combine it all makes it much more cohesive and allows better for scaffolding so what we start in pre-k and kindergarten really does grow up through fourth grade adding new tonal patterns adding new adding new tonal patterns adding new meters adding new tempo i'm gonna say tempi and people are gonna think i'm snooty but fine adding new tempi is that the plural of tempo yeah it's not oh, tempos how, we're, all, we're all gonna say tempos how accurate oh. But if I say Tempe out in the world, people look at me funny. I mean, this is totally outside of my field of expertise. But what I can say with a parent hat on of kids, one kid in child, early childhood and one kid in lower school, music here sticks with them. They come home, they sing all the songs, they know all the words, and whatever they're doing in the music program is working. And it's amazing. Insert here the sound of like casino jackpots going off. Ding, 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 ding. Like that's, that's the goal. Also, I love how we can hear when any one of us smiles first before answering. Because you hear the mouth noises? Yes, I hear the mouth noises. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, they're yeah, both here. Yeah. Okay, so let's get time. them in here. Lindy and Jen, thanks for being on the podcast. We're so happy to have you here, aren't we, team? So happy. So very happy. I love that you're both cracking up already. This is great. You both look really happy, too. And afraid. <coughs> Sorry. We can delete that. <laughs> and that one. Sorry. Oh, but if someone's talking, when you put your... I won't touch okay, it. Okay. I just... I was guilty the first time. <clears throat> of with the... And the second. And, and probably the third, too. We're very happy to have you here to share about your work with the Early Childhood and Lower School Music and Movement Program. To get started, could you each share your name, your role, how long you've been at New Canaan Country School, and anything else you think our listeners might like to hear? My name is Lindy Burke. Uh, this is my sixth year here. I've been here since 2017, and I'm the chorus teacher and now the Early Childhood Music and Movement teacher. 
Hi, my name is Jen Tiemann. I This is my second year at Country School, and I am the lower school music and movement teacher, grades one through four. Would you each share how you ended up at New Canaan Country School? Carney and Sando. Uh, I was working at the country school in Madison, Connecticut, and then someone told me about the headhunter, Carney and Sando, and I applied, and you guys called. So my experience is a little bit longer than that. Um, I have 12 years experience teaching in public school um, in New York and Connecticut, um, with my the majority of my years being in Wilton. Um, and I never really considered an independent or a private school. Um, I had taken some time off to be a stay-at-home mom, and I was doing a one-year leave replacement in Westport for as a general music position. I was in four school buildings, definitely ready for a change, and it was my husband that found this position, and I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And um, the thing that was really the game changer was my interview here. Coming to my interview here, I felt that not only was I being like properly vetted, but that I also had a chance to see whether like this was going to be a good fit for me. And that I'd never had that experience before. It's really unique. Um, and the thing that really piqued my interest was the job description. I had never applied for a job that said music and movement teacher. And as a music teacher, this is something that um, Lindy and I do all the time. Kids are never sitting down on the floor singing or looking at textbooks for the entire time. They're up and moving around. But to see that it was incorporated into the job description, but also that NCCS, like from the second I got here, all I heard about was like the tradition of rhythms and how important that was to alumni, but also to all the other children here. I was also drawn to this because um, Right before my demo interview, I was leaving Grace House. I think Rashawn and I, we had just met. And um, I brought a whole trunk full of instruments with me to my demo in- interview. And Lindy and Brian were walking me back to my car because I had no idea what the campus looked like. And they said, do you want to come in and see the auditorium? And I said, yes, definitely. And they opened the doors. And there was a first and second grade arts assembly dress rehearsal happening. Like the, those five minutes that I just stood there looking at the stage was magical. I saw kids um, on the stage in different formations and teacher wasn't telling them what to do. They had their own thing. And it was even five minute glimpse. I knew that like, this is a very special place. And this is awesome. Thanks, Jen and Lindy for sharing those things. What exactly did you do this summer when you were looking at the whole early childhood and lower school curriculum within music and movement? So the original purpose of this design work was to um, make a more seamless transition from EC to lower school to to all the upper school, middle school, upper school. And um, for Lindy and I, that meant... um, getting some learning objectives down on paper, going by grade, and um, matching those up with the national standards for music, national standards for dance. And um, when we when we first started, we only did grades one, two, and three. We were just, let's get the basic stuff down. Um, and at the time, I wasn't teaching fourth grade. That was a totally different class than it is 
this year. At least that's how I think of it. It was amazing to have the opportunity to take to make a curriculum that spanned through our whole school. Because um, I felt like before it was kind of chopped up. We were, the kids were restarting when they got to a new building. Um, and so now Jen and I have the same language, besides the fact that we spent a lot of time together, but actual academic language. <laughs> and this was an issue I felt like in all of my previous jobs. Um, when I was teaching in Wilton, I was at a K-2 building, and I'd get the kids and, you know, mold them to be exactly what I wanted them to do, and then at the end of second grade, they go to a new building, the 3-5 building. And what I love about this curriculum is that it's really vertical, that we can really make, like, core memories with these kids and have really have great relationships with families here, too, that I think... I'm giving you a connection sign. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Uh, that really um, makes our whole community and our whole music program stronger. And that the kids are doing a lot of um, exploration with Lindy because that's very typical of preschool and early childhood. And then they come to me and it's, you're right, it's not starting over. They have a little bit of a background. They don't have to have any um one and done skills, but they've had that experience before. So that in turn almost makes my job easier because I think movement um, has a really important place in music, but it was, it's not always emphasized. And when we're asking kids to um, put on a production like the Arts Assembly, there is a lot of trust and community building that goes into this. And I can't just say, okay, let's do a dance. Like it took four months, twice a week, seeing them 45 minutes each in order to get the kids to that point because we, I didn't have a relationship with them. And I'm already anticipating this year putting this all together is going to be a lot easier for me because I know these kids. And I think even next year, it's going to be even easier because now Lindy and I have been working on the same thing. We're talking about that seamless vertical transition. And I love that when my fourth graders leave to go to middle school, I'm literally handing them off to Andy and Lindy and Brian. And how great is that? I just, and I love and trust my team and I, I see amazing things happening in the next couple of years. Two summers ago, I asked Jen what class I should take. We didn't. Uh, she's the ORF lady, so I was going to maybe get my ORF levels. But then she was like, why don't you take this movement class? Um, so I took a class in Seattle with Anne Green Gilbert, and it was all about the brain and music. And I think education is changing. We're focusing more on looking at how children develop and teaching to that. And a big part of that is movement. And this was all about... Um, like the reflexes that you're born with as a baby and how to keep them, keep moving like that throughout your life. And it also has all this language that finding a self space sounds so easy, but the fact that these kids are going to get to Jen in uh, first grade and already know, oh, self space, general space, how to move is going to open a lot of doors. (laughs) And how to move safely. That's a really important um, skill. How do I move my body so that I'm not interfering with other people's, what I call like their kinesphere? (laughs) Um, How do I move safely? How do I move artfully, beatfully, and musically? Um, And that starts the day they walk into three fours, these students. So exciting things to come. So I really appreciate the fact that you are looking at the music curriculum as a whole, on a whole school level, 
um, on our first episode, we talked about the benefits of um, cross-divisional or school-wide curriculum. It's apparent to a math teacher or to a social studies teacher or an English teacher that we have to build on the skills of what came the year before. And I love the fact that you are doing that with music. Why start over? Let's build on the strengths that the kids already have. So I, I love that. So you mentioned the music and dance standards. I'd love to hear more about what they include and how you incorporated them into this curriculum. Sure. So, um, and no one's going to judge you if you use the pre-2014 language. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, doesn't have to it doesn't have to be specific, <laughs> but like, just general, like, I have no idea what those skills or like what it includes. Yeah, so what sure. are some examples, some examples of the standards? So yeah. for an example might be um, is able to keep steady beat. Um, dance standard might be um, can walk to a steady beat, can skip to a steady beat, can gallop or tiptoe to a steady beat, moving your, way, moving your body in different ways. And we talk a lot about like um, – locomotor versus non-locomotor motions, um, moving from place to place, um, pathways, levels, high, medium, low, just the all the different ways that um, kids can move their bodies. and um, But also tied into the music standards. Right, can sing alone, can sing with a group. Yes. Um, a big thing is getting them up in their head voice when they're little so that they can uh, aren't afraid to reach for those notes when they're older. And these things play together so well. For example, this week I um, was teaching a dance to second grade called the Noble Duke of York, and they have to listen to the music, and the music is giving them cues, and they have to walk three steps in, tap their partner's hands, and three steps out. I, in two seconds, can assess who is keeping the steady beat because I can see, are they walking with the music and able to tap their partner's hands on beat four? And then walk back, um, and then I can. That also says to me, oh, are these kids moving in a safe way? Are they moving to the beat? Do I need to practice this more? Do I need? Should I have prefaced this with another dance or um, a different kind of warm up? And eventually, it gets much better. I do a lot of um, recording in my classroom with my iPad. Um, I would say especially when I have a new lesson. So eye-opening for me. Sometimes it's hard to watch yourself. You're like, oh God, I don't want to do this. But for me, I say, oh, this is exactly when this lesson might have not gone off the rails. But mm, maybe this is where like their knowledge base ended. And maybe I went a step too far and I need to take a step back. Lindy, can you tell us more about this folk dance project you've talked about before and how that ties into movement and Family music? folk song project. Yeah, I, um, this has been on my mind because my, my goal was to get it out right before break, but it didn't happen this year, but we're going to get there in the spring. But um, it's sending home just a note to families and asking them to share a song or a dance or a story from their families. Um, or it doesn't even have to be family, your neighbor, whatever the kid wants to share and come in um, so I have a few friends who have done this throughout Fairfield County, and it's been amazing. The students come in, they sit in the rocking chair, and they get to bring. Um, it's, it could be from their culture, but it also could just be something that has been in their family as a lullaby or a special birthday song. Um, sometimes it's just a chant. But it's a really great chance for us to see our community and let them share. I was going to say, when we were talking about the standards before, um, creating is a big one, giving kids the opportunity to be creative and 
uh, not just uh, sing music that's already written. Um, but also, yes, they are getting to teach the song. So they come in, and a lot of time they'll sing a line. The class will sing back. They'll teach. Sometimes there's a dance that goes along. Kind of going back to the curricular writing aspect that I feel that Lindy and I, when we're looking at this EC through lower school curriculum, we're looking at like more of a holistic approach and making these connections with family and community are really important and are so meaningful to our students. And these are the things that they're going to remember. And when I think back on like my own like music education, like I didn't have any movement growing up, nothing. I sat sat at a table for music and I sang out of a textbook and then I went to chorus and then I played my flute and band, like all through high school and then on to college. And I didn't experience music and movement together until I started my ORF training. And I was like 28. Um, and at the time I was teaching band the way I was taught to teach band. And I realized that if I was teaching band, now I would do it in a totally different way, completely different way than I was taught because I feel like the movement aspect is so important. And where I kind of bring this in is, for example, third graders learn recorder. And um, instead of me taking them through um, um, a recorder curriculum through like a method book, I have my own activities and there we're working on improvisation or we're gonna do, we're gonna use a poem and then we're gonna improvise just even on one note or two notes, making it more of a personal experience for these kids. I always tell them, like, my goal as your music teacher is not for you to be, like, principal French horn in the New York Philharmonic. Like, I want you to want to go and sing at a baseball game or uh, sing a lullaby to your baby sister or get up and dance at a wedding. And... um, Happy, healthy 30-year-olds. Absolutely. I remember the first time Lindy said that, and I was like, whoa. I didn't realize that that was like an NCCS thing. That was the first, we were, it was our arts, it was my first week as an employee, and we were at um, an arts retreat. I think we talk about happy and healthy 30-year-olds, 30-year-olds, but it's clear that when I see the kids walking around campus, Lindy, you're playing guitar, or ukulele, I think it is, Both, yeah. and you stop, and they freeze, and you start and they keep going. It's just so clear that they not only love music and movement, but they understand it. And they're following her cues. I love watching that too. I'm like, oh, it's so, so cute, but so developmentally spot on. Spot on. They're listening to her cues and what she has to say, and they're doing exactly what they should be doing. And it's hard for kids to have that kind of impulse control, even at this young age, something that we still struggle with through all the grades in lower school. So we've been preparing for this holiday gathering tomorrow. And I mean, three years old, it's really young to be singing like all of Jingle Bells. Um, it, yeah, it's amazing. And it, But it's amazing that just doing the steady beat on our legs and me singing, them hearing it when we were walking today, they were singing it. Like they absorb it. I don't necessarily need to teach it the same way I would teach a, like a song by rote. They, they, they just absorb it. And that's like one of my favorite part about teaching um, the few times that I've taught like parent and child classes like it's okay if your child is like trying to escape the room like banging on the walls while we're all singing a song like they actually are absorbing it and somehow it's amazing um, how their brains work like that (laughs) and that goes to what Jen was saying about she wouldn't want to teach classes the way she was taught herself 
what you're doing now in these classes speaks to the aural learners, the kinesthetic learners, the, I don't know what the real term is, sit and absorb learners, but also the traditional read the notation, sing it back. And it's all there. And to cover all those different learner types within music and movement is amazing. Yeah, I think music and movement probably is not the easy, like you can incorporate the most learning styles without having to do anything too crazy. <laughs> In fact, I was sitting with a group of prospective families and Lindy, you happened to walk in and the kids walked by the commons singing and dancing and one of the parents made a comment like, was this staged? Did Aaron you- Cooper said that to me the other day. He stopped me and he was like, People think that this is planted now. And yeah. I was like, no, I just do this four times a day. Right, I said, I, and, and I kind of chuckled because I know that this happens all the time. This is what happens at country school. This is what goes on in our music curriculum. So it was just really, it brought a smile to my face to think that they thought this was so amazing. I appreciate how you pay attention to the standards. I think across all our program and subject areas, we try to be standards informed so not strict adherence uh, or following things to a T, but also making sure that we're blending our own expertise, instinct, experience, all of those things with what other organizations that are working with a much larger and different scale. Um, how do we learn from both and then incorporate it thoughtfully and sensibly into the work we're trying to do, which we know better than some external organization might. So I really appreciate that. With the movement, especially with our early childhood folks, many of the things are linked to gross motor development, uh, very specifically, though it's taking shape within the context of a music and movement class. Those developmental elements and your giving attention to them are just so important that those things need to be happening probably even, even more places. And it's really wonderful that at our school, at a minimum, we know it's really thoughtfully and intentionally designed in our music and movement program, in addition to the other motor experiences that happen in our early childhood place. It's also nice to know that it even continues through the lower school, that even though it doesn't say motor or gross motor development, that within our music and movement curriculum, even as kids reach 9, 10 years old in our upper lower school grades, that those things are being intentionally attended to. So thank you for that. It is also even going further than that. I didn't know, when, but after I took this this class, the brain dance class, um, the physical warm-ups that we do, like roll our shoulders back, um, all those physical movements before we sing or play, that is brain dance. That is crossing the meridian. Like it's, that is brain dance. So we are doing it all the way up. <laughs> Did you hear that? What's that sound? Is it time for this week's installment of Hip Hacks? <laughs> hip Hacks. It just doesn't have to be content related, doesn't have to be music related, something that gets you through life. For example, tab, we all know, moves you forward through a cell, advances you to the next one or the next page, whatever it might be, whatever program you're in. Shift tab will do the verse and move you backwards. And my mind was blown. It's one of those things, if you know it, you're like, yeah, duh. But if you didn't know that, and now you do, your world has changed. That's a great, useful hip hack. It doesn't have to be that. I feel like I'm full of these usually, but the only ones I can think about are like garbage can liners oh, sure. and um, making whipped cream. So which one? Both. Both. Oh my gosh. <laughs> garbage can, li- like the garbage bag, I usually shake it out and then push it in. But they're already inside out. 
So if you just put, you take the garbage bag, take the lip of the garbage bag, put it around, and then push down, then the inside of the garbage bag is inside the garbage like it's supposed to be. Oh. <laughs> you ever notice the seam is on the outside? Yes. Okay. I don't know. When I saw, it makes more sense if you see it. It but, works the same time. I hate shaking it out and the thing right. that just, scares all the animals in the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but and then whipped cream. Um, I like to make these big cakes with uh, fresh fruit and using fresh cream. And a lot of the time, especially in the summer, if you're making whipped cream, it'll fall or melt. But if you take a marshmallow and put it in the microwave and let it right before it's about to pop, take it out and put it into the heavy cream while you're whipping it, it won't fall. I don't know how I could follow that, but... We'll put yours first. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I love Post-its. I love Post-its so much. And when I am feeling overwhelmed, I go into my kitchen with my Post-it notes and a Sharpie marker, and I write one task per Post-it, and I literally stick them all over my upper cabinets. And every time I walk into the kitchen, I say, oh, I completed that. It's kind of like making a humongous list, but a huge visual blue or purple or pink sticky note list on my cabinets. And it's very helpful to me. And then when I don't get to it, it's still there up on the wall, and eventually I do. We can go back to episode one and like executive functioning tricks and techniques. And that could be one. We could add that into the curriculum. Andy, I did that for you during COVID. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when Lindy and I were locked in the same room together, not allowed to see any other teacher, but teaching six back-to-back sections of the same class each day, I went a little crazy and started muttering to myself in the in-between moments. I just, I got to do that. And I, I remember, and I thought it was helpful at first, but I realized it was Lindy's attempt to get me to stop muttering. Every time I muttered something, she would write it down on a post-it, stick it on the wall. <laughs> and every time I started complaining about it again, she just shook her head. She pointed to it on the wall, and I had nothing left to say. <laughs> You're welcome. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Lindy and Jen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We learned so much, and it's just so great and inspiring to hear about your work and to know the amount of thought and professional work that's put into the day-to-day experiences of the children in our community. It's really terrific. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Crafting Learning. This show was produced by Rashawn Richards, Andy Tyson, and Lacey Ramsey. Recording was done by Andy Tyson and mixing by Rashawn Richards. Original music composed by Andy Tyson and arranged by Rashawn Richards. Please like, comment, and follow. And let your colleagues, friends, and family know that they can listen to Crafting Learning wherever they find their podcasts. Mm